Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to Save Trash Cinema, the podcast, where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your guide through trash cinema, everyone's favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're honoring the visionaries who ushered in the new wave of modern grindhouse films when we cover film one from the 2007 Tarantino Rodriguez grindhouse collaboration, Planet Terror. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to the two bastards joining me today. First up, he's the man who believes nicknames can only occur when a virgin is sacrificed during a full blood moon. Fortunately for us, that's been accomplished. Introducing Sweet Meats himself, Patrick Schweigert. Are you trying to say that my nickname moving forward is Sweet Meats? Yes, that's your... That's we'll, the new... we'll pray on it. We'll sleep on it. I, I don't know that I like it or dislike it yet, but we're going well, f- to wait and see. Well, next up, we have the man who needs no introductions because he embraces God-given nickname like a real man, Boston fucking Mike. What's up, dudes? Yeah, I'm kind of jealous of Patrick's nickname because I was always call- called Meat Sweats in high school, so I think he's got the better one. From can Meat just, Sweats to Sweet Meats. Can I just ask why? He um, always walked around with a big capicole, just eating a big like a fucking... Mm-hmm. Like yeah, fucking I carried that pool. bag on me. Just dripping in just the most gnarly smelling sweat. It just reeks like pork chops and ham bone. <laughs> okay, before we jump into the rest of the episode, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema@gmail.com, or you can DM us on all socials at savetrashcinema. Make sure to check out last week's episode where we stood hand-in-hand with David Arquette when we covered the 2002 giant mutant spider film, Eight-Legged Freaks. We will be continuing to release mini-shows, crossover episodes, interviews, and even game shows. So keep your eyes for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. With the housekeeping done, though, why don't we jump into a little overview of Planet Terror. Planet Terror is the first film from the 2007 Grindhouse collaboration between Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. While Tarantino took the reins as director of Death Proof, Rodriguez himself helmed the full treatment as writer and director for Planet Terror. Now, you might know Robert Rodriguez from his cult classics such as From Dusk Till Dawn, El Mariachi, Sin City, Machete, and the Spy Kids series. Hell yeah. Let's Hell go. Hell yeah. Also, I suppose it's worth pointing out that both Shark Boy and Lava Girl were uh, were part of that. Did you know that the reason he made Spy Kids? Now, keep in mind, like Rodriguez is like known for just like super over the top like action horror films um, and just making like cult classics. And the whole reason that he made Spy Kids is apparently because he had so much money, he decided to make some movies for his children. Hell yeah! So that they had something they could latch onto as kids. I so love that. that's awesome. Also, Just shout out. Baller. I mean, you, you, you kind of mentioned it in because El Mariachi is like the the prequel to Desperado, but boy, I love Desperado. He's he so did Desperado good. too, right? 
Yeah, so he did a part of it. So it starts with El Mariachi is the first film. Desperado is number two. And then Once Upon a Time in Mexico, That's starring Robert Downey Jr., movie. shockingly enough, is really? in that film. Yeah, uh, he's like wow. the main antagonist. Robert, not Robert Downey Jr., uh, Johnny Depp, sorry. Johnny Depp. Yeah, okay. Johnny Depp, yeah. Robert Downey Jr., yeah. Well, I thought maybe Depp, them, yeah. they both were in it. Yeah, so he's, uh, yeah, so... Uh, look, if you haven't checked out that, that film series, it is arguably one of the best. Uh, and just just understand there is a machine gun built into a guitar case. Fucking the that, coolest thing ever. If that is, that's not the dopest shit you've ever heard, then guess and, what? And um, his his homeboys, like his crew, one of the guys is Enrique Iglesias, who's just mm-hmm. a marksman, which is just awesome. He just so does cool. so well, and he just he doesn't even sing once. As a kid, I would walk around with my brother's guitar case pretending it was a machine gun. Because Fuck of yeah, you did. Fuck yeah, you did. Now, the story for Planetary goes as such. After an experimental bio-nerve gas is accidentally released at a remote U.S. military base in Texas, those exposed to the gas turn into flesh-eating, mutating zombies out to kill. An assortment of various people who include Stripper Cherry, her shady mechanic ex-boyfriend Ray, a strong-willed doctor, the local sheriff, and an assortment of various people must join forces to survive the night as the so-called sickos threaten to take over the whole town and the world. The film stars Rose McGowan from Jawbreaker, Charmed, Scream, Freddie Rodriguez from Havoc, Lady in the Water, and the TV series Bull. Oscar nominee Josh fucking Brolin from Marvel's Avengers, No Country for Old Men, and Deadpool 2. Marley Shelton from Never Been Kissed, Bubble Boy, Sin City, and some cameos from Bruce Willis, uh, who I don't think needs any introduction. A famous special effects guru, Tom Savini, Mm -hmm. and the Black Eyed Peas' Fergie. The Piss Queen herself. Movie. As well as a cameo from Tarantino, but that should be expected. Oh, man, I fucking hate when he acts, but we'll get there. Um, Also, a shout out to Freddy Rodriguez from the hit series Six Feet Under. I've not seen him in very many things in my life, but that's one of my favorite shows of all time. So when he walked on screen, I got up. I started cheering because my boy Rico back in the back in business. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. absolutely. That is correct. Now, the film runs for an hour and 45 minutes and sports a Rotten Tomato score of 76%. The film is currently streaming through Fee- Freebie, which you can catch on their app or through Amazon Prime. So you just got to deal with some ads. But guess what? That's not too bad. Or you can pick up the double feature Grindhouse edition for $10 on Blu-ray from Amazon. Now, keep in mind, that there are two different cuts of this film. The one that we are reviewing is the extended unrated cut. Now there is a theatrical cut of the film, uh, which combines both planet and planet terror and death proof into one film. Uh, but the, let me just kind of explain how this works though. If you've never heard of grindhouse or ever seen grindhouse, when it was released in theaters, the film would start with a series of trailers. We would then get planet terror we would then get an intermission, and then it would be followed by Death Proof. Now, both Planetary and Death Proof have about 10 to 15 minutes chopped off of each. Uh, but that film runs for about three hours, and we decided just to do the standalone Planetary and then touch on Death Proof coming down the line a little bit later. But it, is, Can I ask you a question? Hit me. The trailers, is that... So I was looking at the IMDb for this, and there were people listed as like... In, in the segment Werewolf Women of the SS, was that like one of the trailers? Okay, so, so I'm not sure what that, what, because yeah. one other one too, Thanksgiving. 
Mm-hmm. So let me actually dig into that. Now, Planet and Ter- Planet Terror and Death Proof are not the only Grindhouse films that were part of this Grindhouse universe, right? Uh, in the theatrical release, there were four spoof trailers. There was Machete, done by Robert Rodriguez. Thanksgiving, which was done by Eli Roth from Fame, from Hostel, uh, Cabin Fever. Then there was a trailer, Don't, that was from uh, Edgar Wright, best known from Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The Last Night in Soho, which I just watched last night in Soho. That movie fucking fucks, guys. Uh, Check that one out. And then lastly, like you mentioned, Werewolf Women of the SS, which was directed by Rob Zombie. Um, who, as you might know, is the musician or as the director from films such as The Devil's Rejects, the Halloween reboots, and so forth and so on. Follow question. Follow yes. up question. So Machete. Machete. This trailer, is that what went on to make the movie? Absolutely. You are correct. So as a release of the episode, the only trailer from the film to have gotten a feature link treatment was Robert Rodriguez Machete. And Machete actually has a sequel with Machete Kill. So there are two films that were spurned off in the trailers. Now, as of January of 2023, which is the month that we were recording this in, and only just a couple weeks ago, Eli Roth has announced that he is indeed making a feature-length film for his trailer Thanksgiving. Uh, Unfortunately, there's been no comment from Rob Zombie or Edgar Wright if their own trailers will be upgraded to feature-length status in the future. Well, Ro- Rob Zombie shouldn't, because Rob Zombie. You can shut directing. the fuck up. He needs to up. stop directing. You He's not to, good at it. You're a, just a fuck you, Mike. You're done on this show. I, w- I do want to point out one <laughs> last thing before the we Adams get family. I raise you the Adams family. He didn't do the Adams family, bro. Okay, he, he did the monsters. Oh, same. Whatever. Even worse. The worst you know, Adams. I family. I have a lot of thoughts on that one. And we might get to that at some point in the future, but I do want to point out one last little bit before we get started on everything else. And that is the Canadian release of Grindhouse in theaters included an additional trailer not released in the U.S. or anywhere else. That trailer for a film called Hobo with a Shotgun. Mm. This trailer would end up being the catalyst for Jason Eisner's Hobo with a Shotgun, starring everyone's favorite lunatic, Rutger Hour, that would come out just a few years after this. And if you've heard us before on the podcast, you've heard me probably uh, belabor the point that Hobo with a Shotgun is one of the greatest films ever made. And that is definitely a film we'll be covering this year, so keep your eyes peeled for that episode. Cool, I've um, seen that one. But Hobo with a Shotgun is indeed part of the Grindhouse cinematic universe, as I like to think of it as, um, which is just a absolutely bonkers idea. But with that overview out of the way, why don't we go ahead and take a little time to discuss some initial thoughts. We're going to start off with Boston Mike today. Boston Mike, tell us what your what your history is with uh, Grindhouse, specifically Planetaire, and uh, kind of what you thought going into this recording. Yes, yeah, so... I haven't seen the movie in a while, so I was excited to see it. There's just, there's so much going on with just all of this feature, like film and presentation and the people that are in it. Like everything that you just said came in. It's like, it's its own Marvel cinematic universe within the Grindhouse cinematic universe of all these little things and these people that get stemmed out of it. What I really love that Robert Rodriguez and both Quentin Tarantino do is they keep like their, their homies, their crew, like pretty um pretty like locked pretty in. in tune yeah pretty locked in with like the similar movies like they keep like that that crew around which i do really like and death proof is 
one of my low key favorite uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. I really like it. It's basically a slasher film where instead of it's a slasher, it's a guy with a car instead of a knife. So it's very cool. So I knew that this one was a little bit more on it. Some of my initial thoughts. Um, one, we need to get Marley Shelton just more acting roles. Like 100%. she's just so she has just she's such great. an awesome figure and face and just aura on the camera, especially for things like this. And she, I, I just I don't know everything she does. I it's just not really something I've seen her about. Like she needs to be in more stuff and just better stuff. Um, other than that, the movie's just pretty radical. I can't believe they got some of these names that are in it. Um, to agree just like looking back at like how good their careers are now specifically like josh brolin it's just (laughs) this is a this is a time capsule of josh brolin's career because he was not josh brolin that we know today yet he was like about to be Mm -hmm. not at all which is absolutely funny there's a little bit coming up we'll talk about how this is absolutely hilarious um of what this film was for him but that being said Mm -hmm. patrick why don't we jump on to you why don't you tell us uh, your initial thoughts going in. Jump on over here to the sweet meat. Yeah, baby. Uh, fucking crematorium. Sweet, um, sweet meats. So I had seen Death Proof multiple times, mm-hmm. um, but I'd never seen Planet Terror. This is one that it just like at a glance, at a brief glance, just never interested me um, for reasons we've talked about on the podcast several times. I don't sure. normally go out of my way to see gory, like grindhouse type movies. Um, not that I can't like them. I just don't often. And so this is just one that I never had a big interest to see. Um, but it was one of those things like I knew eventually I would watch it. I just never expected that it would be for a podcast. Uh, but I so I was excited to watch it, even though it doesn't seem like my shit going into it. I was excited to give it a shot. Nice, nice. Well, I'm I'm excited to, to hear your thoughts as we go through. For me, I actually saw Grindhouse in theaters on release in 20 nice. in 2007. And uh, yeah, the movie, when you go to see it in theaters, it's over three hours long. Now, they do include an intermission in between. So you can go take a piss like you would if this was like an actual treatment uh, or if this was released in like the 70s, early 80s when Grindhouse was big. Um, I that'll just kind of tell you like how long I've like just really enjoyed like Grindhouse films and modern Grindhouse films. And I do think that like this film really was the catalyst that ushered in like this new wave of Grindhouse films that led us to things like Zombievers and things like Hobo with a Shotgun and Turbo Kid and fucking everything that we've probably covered on a mini set so far. Like a lot of it stems back to this film. So I think that this film is very prescient. Um, and incredibly important for this particular subgenre. And so I was very excited when we decided that this was going to be the film that we covered this week. And so I'm just absolutely just thrilled to do this because I love this movie so much. Something else that I remember from 2007, this was like a big deal, wasn't it? Like I remember this being like, it was all over TV. Like I remember this was an event that was being released because there hadn't really been anything like this mm. in so long. And yeah. even as a, what, 2007, I would have been going into high school or like a freshman in high school. I, it got to me that this was a big deal, which I, I literally I had to get, cool. I had to get my brother to get me into the film because I hadn't turned six, 17 yet. So I couldn't buy my own ticket. So yep. he bought me a ticket to go see this film so that I, and he like, I don't know what he went off and did at the time, 
but like i basically was like i need three hours for yeah. you to like just let me go watch this movie so did you shout out to justin did you see it at riverstone or cherokee 16 uh the what is the one in woodstock that's the one i had to because it was the only one playing cherokee? So, uh, that's cherokee yeah. 16 i think then yeah so i went and saw it in cherokee 16 because i was the only one and i had to go see it at like nine o'clock at night um so I was like, <laughs> you got only, this is this is a night sh- movie i just watched yeah. it in the morning but this is a night movie <laughs> well guys we'll say mm-hmm. wait i have a quick question for you too sure um I, I do remember one just being so confused as a kid too, like watching these commercials, like what is going on and definitely seeing the commercials on like spike TV and like mm. being like 13, 14 or something, like have no idea what's going on. So I, I think it's, I think I know, but for when you watch the movie came in, it mm-hmm. went planet terror, then death mm-hmm. proof. Correct. Yeah. So you has had... to be a snack to, to the yeah. good, like the real type of movie. Cause death proof is kind of like a, a typical movie movie type spot. Yeah. This is so this crime. was, yeah. So the way that this worked was this was film number one. So when the, if I remember correctly, and this has been Jesus, a very long time ago since I watched this um, or watched this live in theater, uh, the way it worked is you got your initial trailers and then you had your, your planet's air. Then you went for the intermission, which I think was just a couple, like a few minutes. So it was like just enough time for you to go run and take a leak and then run back in. And then you had death proof, which I didn't leave because I've got um, a bladder, like a goddamn champion because I never Mm. drink water Mm -hmm. and sat through that full sitting because you don't want to miss anything. Um, But yeah, so that is indeed how that worked. Uh, And there's just a lot of really fun things we'll talk about, about what this movie does that like really leans heavy into like these films from yesteryear. So with that out of the way, why don't we jump on into the show? Planet Terror, everyone. And now our feature presentation. All right. Now to start us off, let me just go ahead and tell you right now, if you've yet to see Planet Terror, any of the other Grindhouse films, beware. We will be spoiling them. Maybe not to the same extreme as Planet Terror, uh, but the likelihood we drop a nugget is pretty damn high. So this is your last chance. Spoilers ahead. If you don't want to hear him, fuck off. If not, just stick for the ride. Mm. All right. So the film starts off, at least for the version that we watched, with the trailer for Machete. Have you guys ever seen Machete? No, I have not seen uh, Machete. God. It's so fucking good. I've it seen is some like. Of it. It is it is probably like one of the most out like if you like Planet Terror is outlandish, Machete like all, somehow like amplifies it even more and just becomes like just a vehicle for Danny Trejo to just be absolutely full tilt Danny Trejo yeah, for peak Danny Trejo. Yeah, it is incredibly violent, incredibly gory, fucking hilarious. Also has a cameo from Lindsay Lohan in it. What? So that'll just tell you about the time that was released. Danny Trejo is super cool. Um, we should definitely do some movies about him to go into like his backstory because that guy didn't act until he was like 60 something or something like that when he got out of jail and he was working in Hollywood and it was like something about he was like bouncing or doing something and he just He's showed up as being extras and then just like his career start. So if you think right now for all the listeners, whatever you think that you can't accomplish in life and you're mad about it, whatever oprah wrote her book first book at 40 danny trejo didn't star in a movie until he was in his 60s so you got time to do whatever you want life that is that is accurate it is important to point out that the very end of the machete trailer it says from your films from the wine from your friends excuse me from your friends from the weinstein company 
I do want to point this out. We could have just left this out entirely and not acknowledge the fact that uh, this film was released through um, Dimension Productions. Now, Dimension is a, a name you've probably seen from time to time. It's one that Robert Rodriguez worked a lot with. Now, that film company is owned by Bob Weinstein. Um, Bob is the brother to Harvey, and we all know that Harvey is a fucking loser. Mm -hmm. And so it's incredibly important that I point this out for one reason, one reason only. Our main star in this film is Rose McGowan, who plays Cherry, a stripper. Um, now, if you know from right now's time uh, with the Me Too movement, the Rose McGowan is very prominent voice in that. She was blacklisted. This is what it basically goes. After the sexual assault accusations against Harvey Weinstein went public in 2017, Robert Rodriguez revealed that Rose McGowan had confided in him that Weinstein had assaulted her as well. She had signed a non-disclosure agreement about it and has subsequently blacklisted from any films that the Weinsteins produced. Rodriguez said that he actually cast McGowan to get even with, with Harvey Weinstein, knowing that his brother Bob, who ran Dimension Films, knew nothing about the allegations and that if that Harvey ever would protest about it, he would have to admit to why she was blacklisted. So this essentially was Rodriguez's way to basically give Harvey a huge middle finger, knowing full well he was a huge piece of shit. That's awesome. Which, oh, like, yeah. Hey, hell yeah, man. Like, look, Rose McGowan was done dirty. You can have yeah. your own thoughts about her for whatever reasons, but, like, that's some bullshit. Harvey Weinstein's a piece of shit. He should die in jail. Like, I have a feeling he's about to. Correct. And um, good on them. So the, basically what happens is, is the film starts off with Cherry. As we mentioned, she is a stripper. Uh, she dances her dance, which is pretty fucking awesome. And then eventually um, she quits, takes off, almost gets hit by a military convoy passing down the street. And uh, we find out that, that basically this little town sits on a military base. Now, so I so, love yeah. I always love in a movie like this when you know that shit's about to go down and you start seeing like military trucks or like police mm -hmm. cars or fire trucks and you don't but like you don't know or you know but the characters don't know why like it's it's always fun seeing what's about to go down from the audience perspective and they have no clue what's happening i i always like that also great opening to this movie Oh with, my Lanta. Rose McGowan, yeah. you saint. She oh, she was just so I mean she still is, but she's just so good looking and just has such a distinct like uh feature. Like she for just to go back even more, she was my favorite of the trio in Charmed. I used to always sure. watch her with my father. And she just has such uh like charisma about her. For all of the goofiness that this movie has, I actually think Rose McGowan like acts really well. Which oh, she's really funny good through it. It's like she's like it's like they made a point to be like Rose is going to act. Everybody like acts like you're acting around her. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's true. Now, some test subjects have escaped the base. So the some scientist guy. Now, Patrick, you know, the actor. Oh, I sure right? do. I was so excited when Saeed from Lost comes on screen. And so here's the thing. He has not been in a lot of things I've watched. I'm sure he's had an illustrious career, but seeing him two and a half, three minutes into this movie, I was like, Rose, is this Saeed from Lost? She was like, it sure is. 
and what a handsome man. But then I go and I yeah. look on IMDb. This was at the peak of Lost. This was 2007 oh, yeah. when Lost was the biggest thing on television. So like, good for him for getting to do this movie because boy, do I love me some Saeed. I'm so happy you're a lost boy because that was the first thing I wrote in all caps in my notes. Saeed. Saeed is one of my favorite characters in Lost. That guy stole the show. Now, Saeed has a thing for testicles. Um, He likes to cut them off. He likes to collect them. And he likes to uh, presumably fondle balls. Mm. Um, Now, let's just, just kind of explain. We're not talking about testicles in the sack. We're talking about actually cutting the sack open, removing... Yep, the testicles from within, and then keeping them in a jar. I'd love to know if that little tool has a name. That mm-hmm. when they when they knock down uh, whoever that is and rip his nut out, yeah. What if that little claw guy had a name? Yeah. Also, I just have I want a whole movie based on this character. So basically, we find out later in the film that he is a scientist who has essentially developed this bio weapon, and uh, he loves. Just nut sacks. Mm-hmm. This is the also, first time, too. Yeah. So, uh, actually, no, you say what you're about to say because so this is the sense. first time we see our first cameo from Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah. Bruce Willis is the head of the army division that is apparently dealing with this bioweapon. Uh, we see him, he steps out of the car. He basically asks, like, where can they get this? This stuff is very vague about it. And we see pustules and boils start popping up all over Bruce Willis's face. It's pretty fucking gnarly. Pretty fucking- so that's what I was going to bring up. So as a, a person who has not seen this movie before, so he has the gas mask on mm-hmm. and there's no pustules. And then he takes it off and they start showing. And I'm like, as a viewer who had, has no idea what's about to happen in the next hour and 40 minutes, I'm like, what the fuck was that? How is he not... Like, I thought that by taking the gas mask off, he had been because there was like gas going around and stuff. So I was like, wait, how is he alive? How is he not like melting like this other guy? So it was a cool, like, as an, as an audience member, it was cool, like, kind of like going through that, those mental hurdles. Like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm sure I will at some point, but it was cool. So it's at this point, we, we, we've already been introduced to everything. We, we get, we could take a cut shot over to what is called the bone shack. Yep. which is uh, the, uh, apparently the best barbecue in Texas. And we see Fergalicious herself, Fergie. Um, we don't really know much about her outside of the fact that Fergie, Fergie was very much Fergie in 2007. Like she this is sure like a, like absolute peak Black IPs time. It's at this point too, we also get introduced to our friend, Freddie Rodriguez, who plays El Rey. And uh, Cherry Darling is at the Barbecue Shack. So we have a little bit of our first taste of what's to come. This film likes to do um, like the very Tarantino-esque style of just like, hey, we have a thousand characters and we're going to follow each individual one of them, Uh, which I kind of dug. It just also makes it really hard to write a goddamn script when you have to follow seven different plot lines that aren't going to intersect for like an hour and a half. Back over, we were then also introduced over to Josh Brolin. Uh, he is a doctor, a surgeon, it seems. We also are introduced to uh, Marley Shelton, uh, who plays his wife, and their shithead little kid who's dumb as a box of fucking rocks. <laughs> um, so, are you guys laughing? Why are we laughing about this, boys? That kid is an idiot. He's a, fucking, he's a dumbass, and we're going to talk more about him. Baby Josh Brolin with his little wiry fucking goatee. His wiry goatee. You want you want a little fun tidbit about Josh Brolin? 
I do. And then I want to give you a fun tidbit. Okay, check this shit out. All right, so Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen, uh, directors of famed films such as Fargo, No Country for Old Men, uh, just a bunch of shit, The Big Lebowski. You, you, everyone fucking knows who he is. So they refused to give Josh Brolin an audition for the role of Lewin in their movie No Country for Old Men. So he asked Robert Rodriguez to help him shoot an audition tape while Brolin was filming his Grindhouse segment for Planet Terror. Uh, for Rodriguez. So Rodriguez shot the film. Quentin Tarantino used uh, directed the tape, which was then shot on a $950,000 digital camera. Marley Shelton, who was playing Brolin's character's wife in Grindhouse, agreed to read the lines for Lewin's wife, Carla Jean, who she eventually is, is played by Kelly McDonald in No Country for Old Men. So apparently what ends up happening is, is not only does he do this, they shoot this film, he sends it in because he's like, you guys wouldn't even give me the chance to audition for you. So he sends them this reel. They respond back and said, who did the lighting? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, as we all know, Josh Brolin would end up ex- yeah. <laughs> taking that position, uh, that, that role in No Country for Old Men, which we, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best yeah. Actor. And that I film totally ended up going on to winning Best Picture of the Year, beating out the worst movie to ever be made, Um what is there that shit ass movie? There will be blood. Yeah, sure. fuck you, Daniel Day Lewis, you fucking cunt. Wow. I said okay. I don't give a shit I can't about it. That you. was in uh, 2007. That's yeah. That's wild. So he just really after that. I mean, this was, was the breakout for him. Yeah, this yeah. was. I mean, he was in a bunch of. I mean, dude, he was the the older brother in the Goonies. I mean, Josh oh, yeah, Bowen yeah. hadn't had a career before this, but yeah, sure. this was definitely the launch pad for probably his most prolific films for, for sure. sure for sure and so. um yeah i i feel like he he hadn't done anything close to no country for old men before this movie like oh, nothing no, not close. at all absolutely um so i'm gonna pepper these in throughout today okay came in but i got some fun little stories about josh brolin he is a, a, a famous person that i have seen multiple times in my life out and about in the world not first sure. time i saw him this would have been like actually the same trip uh, if for our listeners who listen to all of our podcasts, uh, the trip I talked about seeing and meeting Anna Torv, who was mm. in The Last of Us, same trip, I ran into Josh Brolin at a bookstore. And I walk, I'm like a turn in the corner. He's like signing something uh, on the stairs in this little bookshelf or book uh, bookshop. And I'm like, Rose, that's Josh Brolin. Rose is like, who the fuck is Josh Brolin? <laughs> and so I'm just following him around. Rose, but like, so this was, we hadn't been dating for super long and she, she now knows who people like Josh Brolin are, but in, in the beginning of our relationship, I had to teach her a lot about people like Josh Brolin. Um, she had bigger fish to fry in her life. She had bigger fish to fry in her life than Josh Brolin. And honestly, she's a lot worse for being with me now. I mean, that's fair. That's beside the point. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm following him around being as not creepy as I can be, but I'm like, this is Josh Brolin. And uh, this guy walks up to him like this old ass fucking dude wanted to thank him for uh, being Mr. President and W like this guy, <sighs> fucking old hat Republican. You can tell. Thank you for your service. But and, and Josh Brolin, like you could tell, like he didn't really want to be like talking about his films. So I didn't talk to him, but I did witness him. And you can put this on the record unless it's ever brought into a court of law in which I will say it didn't happen. He was with his girlfriend at the time. She is bending down, like kneeling down to pick up a play by David Auburn proof. She like turns around to like show it to Josh Brolin. What does Josh Brolin do? Starts humping her head. <laughs> Josh Brolin, you, <laughs> you, you menace. 
I saw this with my own two eyes. Josh Brolin humping this woman's, like the back of this woman's head in a Sam French bookstore. Stay tuned for my next story about Josh Brolin uh, later in the film. Beautiful, beautiful. So, um, yeah, so basically the reason why we're kind of deep diving right now and we probably wouldn't normally do this is because there's a lot of characters that are moving around. So you guys probably need to be aware of them. At the barbecue joint, Fergie ends up taking off as she's having some car trouble, though, something to be aware of. And our friend Freddie El Rey shacks back up with his ex-girlfriend, Cherry Darlin. Mm -hmm. And so it's at this point, uh, Fergie departs the barbecue place. We see Brolin and Marley Shelton. They work at the hospital together. Guy walks in after getting bit. His tongue is a fucking mess. His bite wound is gnarly. Josh Brolin pops a tongue zit that juices all over his face. It is fucking gnarly. All at the same time, they're showing venereal diseases on a computer screen. And it is, (laughs) this is like one of the grossest, but also one of the funniest fucking moments in this whole fucking movie <laughs> when we're watching this movie we're watching it uh on th- uh, the apple tv which we recently got and i had the controller in my pocket mm. and gus our cat jumped onto my lap and paused it right on the close-up of this fucking gnarly ass dick and it's like i couldn't move gus so that if that thing was paused on our screen for like 45 seconds it was awful oh god that's so bad all right. Well, Fergie gets jumped after her car breaks down once again. And then Freddie and Cherry, who are driving past an El Rey's uh, tow truck, they swerve to miss someone in the road after passing the corpse of, of Fergie being devoured. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically what happens is they get they get attacked. They get flipped. The truck gets flipped. Cherry gets ripped out of the car by a group of unseen assailants. And then El Rey shows up looks over and sees that her leg has been ripped clean fucking off fires a couple mm-hmm. rounds dudes dispersing in the woods we they go to the hospital where everyone is so we finally got all of our titular characters so not titular characters we got all of our fucking characters that we've been introduced to at this point yep. they're all in the same place now thank god guess what that won't last long this movie likes to do this. This movie likes to split everyone up as much as humanly possible mm-hmm. to make doing this episode even more difficult. So what ends up happening at this point is Freddie gets arrested by the sheriff. And we just kind of get some very vague hints as to why we think he might be a felon. Either way, we know he's not allowed to have guns. So they rip him because guess what? Cherry's missing a leg and uh, his story seems a bit fishy. So they arrest his ass and drag him away. Um, Everyone at this Damn. point that's coming, yes, Michael. Do you have the cop work? has an all-time line when he's talking about how he's going to arrest him. And he goes, "So you end up at the scene of the crime with the girl with a missing leg, whose missing leg is now missing." Yes, he does say that. <laughs> that that is literally <laughs> verbatim. Yeah. So at this point, we basically get a situation where everyone who's arriving at the hospital is covered in gnarly fucking boils, pustules, and looks fucking sick there's a, a fun little character thing that josh brolin does once once he realizes that there is like fever attached to this and like it's a fucking wednesday night bro it was a wednesday night but he he keeps a thermometer in his yeah. mouth and he just like keeps kind of checking to see if he starts getting uh, a fever which i thought i love fun little like character moments like that in the in in a movie like this that you know 
usually is just about blood and gore. But Robert Rodriguez, I think, makes it a point to have a lot of little touches like that, which I really appreciated. Yeah, and he does that with all of his films, and that's why I think he's such like a great. Like, I don't think really a lot of people would put him as like top tier a director. Like the dude makes fun movies and his characters are all characters that you either love because they have something about them that makes you like really connect with them. It could be moments like Cherry when she keeps mentioning all of her her shitty talents that she has that are useless, her useless talents that she mentions all the film. And you yeah. just really kind of latch on that or characters like Josh Brolin, which you learn to hate because he's constantly chewing on a thermometer. And it's at this point in which he is shown a dead body. And we're, we don't see the dead body at the moment, but he snaps his thermometer in his mouth and spits blood everywhere. That dead body is Fergie, whose brain is missing. What do they say Mind about her? Like this, this, yeah, this is a, uh, a no brainer. A this no is brainer. a no brainer. This is and a no brainer. Turn her head over, and her brain she, is completely because she ain't got no brain. And what we find out is the reason why Josh Brolin is pissed off and we kind of get a little bit of this earlier on is that marley josh brolin's wife is actually fucking fergie and was going to leave him this night with their child and fergie and they were going to get out of the town because josh brolin is an abusive psychopath a total piece of shit and he plays it so fucking well yeah and so we get this whole scene where she comes in he makes her look at her and they flip her head over and she's got no brain it's a no-brainer marley loses her shit josh brolin just goes and fucks with her like hardcore over it it is pretty fucking rough it's really like they because she they introduced she has these uh syringes that she mm. uses on patients to like numb them and like knock them out and things and he starts using them on yeah. her it's like it's fucking twisted it is twisted as hell so the dead start to walk you just we kind of accepted this was going to happen that started to walk and after an attack at the police station everyone realized that the shit is now hitting the fan back at the hospital plus uh the gross dude vomits plus all over josh brolin so you know he's going to be a fucking menace in about 15 minutes marley tries to escape the hospital but as patrick mentioned she has been stabbed in the hands with um i guess like a numbing agent that is something that she uses earlier on in the film while trying to numb some guy's arm that needs to be amputated. So she goes to open the car door, sticks her hand in, goes to do it during the process, breaks her goddamn wrist. I mean, absolutely oh. fucking shatters that this goddamn is. thing. She also just jumps out of the window for no fucking reason. Which oh yeah, was but awesome. that's okay. Well, here's the thing. There's, <laughs> there's a reason for no reason. And it's because one, this is an homage to Grindhouse. This is something you'll see yeah. multiple times throughout the film is that there are things like this scene that make no sense, but this is how trash cinema works. Films well, work. We know this. It, and Josh Brolin had locked her in that closet. So Fair. I think she knew like this guy's oh. going to fucking kill me if, yeah, how'd she if get I out? stay in here. But also, like, but also but like There's this is the, the thing closet? too though is like it, that's it's with trash cinema films there are so many unexplained things that just make the movie so much better this is one of those situations so let's speed along here basically she like we said snaps her fucking wrist it is so gross ends up getting into the car she takes off and hides home at the police station shit's still hitting the fan people are getting dead everywhere El Ray, come to find out, is an absolute fucking badass. Just a fucking badass guy. Short King. Short King. He's yeah. And so we got we're starting to get little hints here that El Ray might be more than meets the eye. He might be a transformer. Shut up. 
I love it. I love it. <laughs> Marley goes and picks her kid up. Somehow at this point, everyone goes and shows up to get some barbecue. Um, we, we end up with Cherry. We end up with the, or no, no, Cherry's not there yet. El Raid, the police, they all show up to get some barbecue. Barbecue sauce tastes better with blood in it. Just for all of you home cooks, cut yourself open, put your blood in your barbecue sauce, give it a taste, send us a comment, let us know if it works. Don't do that actually, because I could be legally held responsible for telling you to do that. Not a <laughs> good decision. Kid, this kid is Robert Rodriguez's son, right? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. His name is Rebel Rodriguez, and there's no that's way not... this kid is yeah. put in a movie unless, right? That sounds that sounds really accurate. When you click on Rebel Rodriguez on IMDb, it doesn't say that he's his kid, he's, but he's, he's also I mean, in Spy Kids too. Okay, then yeah, we're, let's just go ahead and just make the assumption that's his kid. Yeah, Nepal, all right. Maybe. So this is when the movie starts to to start to really go off rails in all of the best possible ways, right? So Marley picks up the son. She goes to a house. We're trying to figure out whose house she's going to. We don't really know what's going on. Come to find out, it's her daddy's house, right? She's got her kid in the front seat. She tells the kid, right? She's like, hey, mm-hmm. if anyone comes to the door, I need you to take this gun. She gives him a gun, and I need you to shoot them in the fucking head. And he's like, what if it's daddy? And she's like, especially if it's daddy. She walks up to the door. She's knocking on the door. No one's answering. Everything's getting crazy. We're getting it's just quiet. It's very quiet. It's very eerie. All of a sudden, we hear a gunshot. Kid blows his own fucking brains out. Guys, this is 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm drinking beer for this shit. Mm. What? I yeah, that, that kid had no business. I mean, he had pre-crime written all over him. The guy had a scorpion for a pet. Like, sure. what's yeah. going on there? And then... Yeah, no, he, he was going to grow up to be his dad's son, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. But what a weird fucking choice to have this kid <laughs> blow his own brains out. You know, honestly, it works better if the kid blows his brains out. One, kid death on screen, never a bad thing. Two... Now you don't have to worry about like trying to include a kid in in your film, right? Like you don't sure. need him anymore. You don't need him anymore. Like you don't, he doesn't have to. Yeah, he doesn't have to be on set anymore. <clears throat> you don't have to worry about how these scenes are going to work with a child actor. Also, kids fucking yep. suck. We all know that. Mm. That's they why do. none of and us a, have our uh, have kids. Nope, not that I know of. And um, for for listeners here to kind of p- point paint some more pictures, um, the daddy, um of this he is the sheriff at the beginning of kill bill who comes and finds the bride and is ah. the one looking around and whatnot um yeah a lot of just you know rotating characters and ancillary He's, characters that are in little spots yeah he and he the character that he plays is the Basically exact the same, same character from kill bill like no his character in this movie is the same character from kill bill and I oh, want to say go. the exact same character from I want to say he's in both from dust till dawn and once upon a time in Mexico, I could be wrong on that one. Cool, uh, but he's like he's played this exact same character, same name, same job, same every, same actor. Oh, yeah, he everything. is. He, he he's is because I same clicked on the and character everything. and it was listed in multiple movies, like the yeah. uh, Sheriff Brodick or whatever. It's it like cool. uh, it's like when uh, like which we do see because everyone's smoking cigarettes in this movie. Because fuck yeah, we are, and uh, you'll notice everyone is smoking Apple brand cigarettes, which is a trademark of Quentin Tarantino. Every single film tarantino is made if someone smokes a cigarette they smoke apple cigarettes there's no question it isn't every single one of his films and we love that we need continuity in these movies guys we're then cut to an obligatory sex scene between el ray and um 
and and candy because at this point they've gone to the hospital el ray's done some crazy ass shit he can apparently run on walls and can shoot guns real well and use knives real well and so they're all back and they're all hanging out at the barbecue joint and uh, they have a sex scene and then guess what guys the real burns out so this is something that i love right um, I remember seeing this in theaters and being like, what the fuck just happened? And so what ends up happening is, is a lot of times the way that the, the film reels would heat up and they would end up burning out. You would end up having like splotchy ends of film, film reels as well, because that's where most of the wear and tear would take place. Now, historically with a lot of these movies, a lot of times, a lot trash cinema films, they just don't make it through time. And now we're sometimes we'll be lucky enough that some film reels will be preserved, but there's a lot of movies out there that are just missing huge swaths of film that have been burned out through time. And it plays really well. I think to this film's credit as, as like an homage to a lot of these movies, because with trash cinema on, on some of these films, right? It's when things are missing, there's context that's left out. Right. Sure, and a lot sure. of trash cinema films, that's what we end up with a lot of questions like where when the fuck did this happen? And more often than not, it's related to the fact that when the film was restored, they could not restore a portion of it. And that's just what you get. <laughs> and so the fact that they've included this in there as like a bit, like really just leans even heavier into it. And yeah. I love it. But what and basically and basically what it does is a conduit is gets every single actor in the same place. Mm hmm. Also, and, and, it drops a lot of exposition in that area that we don't have. So then now we have to just guess because they're like, and then this happened. And like, yeah. so also, cool. I, did we, did I uh, just zone out or have we not mentioned that Rose McGowan has a wooden leg at this point that mm. Fred Reverend oh, yeah, grabbed yeah. Uh, the leg of a desk and just shoved it into her nub leg yeah. so that now she's walking around. And so when they're having sex, there's like this wooden leg that's going up, which Such is a fun funny. Moment. So, yeah, so, like, everyone, like Mike said, everyone at this point, during this missing scene, everyone has now arrived at the barbecue place, and the barbecue place is on fire. We also find out that El Rey is apparently some secret badass, and whatever that story was, we are not told, Yeah, which yeah. is such a, an amazing touch. Uh, but we have heard multiple times at this point that he never misses, like, when he's shooting and, and he things like that. never misses. Which is, and this whole movie is all about foreshadowing, so... Uh, we'll get there we'll get there so the thing is at this point during this this missing scene we like i said we get a huge exposition dump about el rey's past we don't know anything about tom savini has shot the sheriff in the neck which is tom savini and you know for a fact like this motherfucker had some hands on special effects because these special effects are gnarly as shit tom savini's a goddamn special effects god even if he is kind of a huge piece of shit in real life oh, um, is he? that's a shame yeah, so the strip club owner, guess what? He's now in town. Uh, Marley, she still has her dead kid with her, which fuck all reason why. And uh, yeah, this is all missing. So to this point, everything goes a little bit even crazier. They decide to head off and leave the barbecue joint because why would you stay? It's on fire. And uh, their plan- The house is, is on fire. Their plan mm -hmm. is to try to get to the military base and figure out a way to stop this apocalypse from taking place. Um. For some when they're reason, leaving, though, yeah. oh, if say what you're about to say, let me see if that's <laughs> what you're about to say. For some reason, Freddie Rodriguez, good old El Ray, um, he uses a miniature motorcycle. Do it, pocket like, rocket. Do we remember those being huge? Yes, in I don't. the late two thousands, I wrote all caps. The pocket rocket. It was great. It was like certain, like the rich. It was either two kids' families had it. 
the richer construction like type of family that just has like new money and then they just get their kids whatever they want like the cars yeah. and whatnot and then they got that or the ghetto trailer park type of kids who always had shit on wheels no matter what no matter how poor <laughs> they were and then they had those two yeah and they were just ripping down the side streets i remember wanting one of these so badly and i obviously never got one but a friend of mine got one and I always wanted to write it, but then I'd be too scared to write it. So I never did. But pocket rockets were all the rage in the late 2000s for like maybe. nine Maybe it's because I was so fucking poor <laughs> that I didn't even have friends who were rich enough to have one sure, of those. Sure. This was lost on me. Um, so, you know, there's that. So the whole group, they're all together and they go beelining down the, ro the road. They go get to a bridge and the bridge is swarmed with zombies. And we realize they don't have enough ammunition to take them all out. Good enough. Good news for them. Military shows up. Bad news for them. This is the U.S. government. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. guess what? The military kidnaps them because what would the military do in that situation, which is 100% just to kidnap your ass. So yeah. I get locked up. Quentin Tarantino shows up for his cameo. And guess what? Quentin Tarantino plays a very Quentin Tarantino character, which is that he is a piece of shit rapist. Fucking creep. And mm -hmm. I, my, the one question I have is why do people like Robert Rodriguez let Quentin Tarantino in front of a camera? Because he is a fucking god awful actor. He is so bad. I, I, you know, I kind of love it. Like I love him. And from dust till dawn, like he's awful in that film too. And, but I will say the worst film I think Tarantino's ever been in, un undoubtedly, is uh, Django. Django and Jess. Yes. His Horrible. Australian accent in that film is one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's the one of the worst things I've ever. But seen. But it's really funny. It's no, it's hilarious, but it's not for the best reasons. He just like he's the kind of person, and I I kind of do mean this like I, offense, not no offense. He's just a fucking creepy looking guy. And whenever he talks, he sounds creepy. He acts creepy. I just, I get the heebie-jeebies whenever he talks and is like doing anything. And this character quadruples down on that. So Sweet Meats didn't like this. Sweet Meats didn't like it. So as we said, Tarantino forces Marley and Cherry to come hang out with him, which, uh, Presumably is because he wants to talk about feet and how he likes to slurp on them, which, hey, man, look, no king shaming. If you like feet, you like feet. It's no big deal, I suppose. Um, Freddie breaks out, though, and uh, him and the scientists decide that they need to go stop uh, Bruce Willis from doing whatever the fuck Bruce Willis is doing. And so they do that. They take off. They end up running into Bruce Willis and then throw him a bag full of testicles. And I mean a bag full of testicles. I mean, there's like yeah. 70 fucking nuts in this bag. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking fear um, factor in the real right there. At this point, we we end up getting an exposition dump from Bruce Willis, which is is like if you see the film, you'll notice that Bruce Willis is never like he's he did not shoot a single scene with anyone. Like every time we see Bruce Willis, he's like by himself. So, like, you definitely know that they were just, like, hit up Bruce Willis one day and were like, yo, Brucey Bruce, like, you want to just come in and do this? And he was just like, fuck yeah, because I'm Bruce fucking Willis. Yeah. Of course I'll do this shit. So, the, the basic, I'm going to run this down pretty quick, and I could be completely wrong, but it, fuck it, who gives a shit? So, Bruce Willis essentially explains that they were doing a routine mission in Afghanistan um, to try to, like, root out some Taliban. And in the process, they stumble across bin Laden and kill him. 
And this definitely had like this film comes out several like a few years before we actually killed Bin Laden. So Bruce Willis kills Bin Laden, and the U.S. government's like, guys, we fucked up because we technically shouldn't have killed Bin Laden. So they end up using this bioweapon as a test on his people. And the scientist has like a drug that can help prevent it from mutating them fully. So they all have to wear these like gas masks and like tanks full of this drug. But then the, the, the people found out that the drug is being manufactured there. So the government took it over and then unleashed this weapon. I, it doesn't make sense. This is trash cinema and this is homage to that. And so mm-hmm. it does make sense if you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, this I, I will say I didn't need this section of the film personally. Nah. Didn't this this which one? The them being at the like military the, base or the, most of the military base stuff and yeah. like specifically with the like the backstory on what this is. Like I didn't need to know mm-hmm. wh- why this happened, what this was. Um I frankly, if I only saw Bruce Willis's character in the opening scene, I thought that would have had more of an effect for me. Mm-hmm. Uh but Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. It is it is pretty funny how he's like, Don't kill me because I've done a lot for this country already. I killed bin Laden. I mean, fair play. If you have that card, sure. I use it. Yeah, no, that's like uh yeah, that, that's like I think the only card you can use if you're in the military that people would just give you like a free pass. Do you think in the world of Planet Terror, uh mm-hmm. The Rock was also told about when bin Laden was killed and still tweeted? that he had just heard good news from the United States military about bin Laden being killed. Do you think that happened in this world too? Yeah, I do. Great. Proud to be an American. Proud to be an American. Proud to be the Dwayne Rock Johnson. Um, Well, good news for both of you is that Bruce Willis dies very quickly after he decides to mutate into a giant fucking blob like creature of pus and open sores. He gets plugged full of bullets and dies back over with Cherry and Marley hanging out with old Tarantino. Uh, he decides that he wants to have sex with her and she does not consent. And so she does the right thing, which is to take her peg leg and shove it through his fucking head. Love that. Awesome. Just immediately great. Well, unfortunately, Tarantino survives. So he continues his attempt to assault her, but because he's mutating, his dick and balls fall off. Yeah. We Didn't see his dick and balls fall off. Also, man, knowing the knowing that like the ec- or not the expectations, the um, the circumstances about Rose McGowan being in this movie with this scene really changes this scene a bit, doesn't it? It, it feels good, doesn't it? Sure, like it actually feels good. Like like that he's piece, yeah. that he yeah gross pieces of shit are melting and dying because they're gross pieces of shit. Which, if you yep. look at Harvey Weinstein now, you realize that he is literally amalgified the version of Tarantino's character in which his skin is currently dissolving off of his body as well, and rightfully so, you fat sack of fucking shit. Sure. So, Retweet. he ends up dying because uh, he just dies. I mean, he gets shot to shit, and then it explodes everywhere. And then Freddy shows up with an AK-47 grenade-launching peg leg that he slaps on Cherry. Yup. And so Let's instead go. of a peg leg, she now has a gun leg. And if this is not the coolest fucking thing in the world, like, I legitimately don't think there's anything cool. <clears throat> it's cool. It's very cool. 
Can I uh can I take the floor for a second and recite to you guys a little a little song that I made for for this part right here? Yeah, <clears throat> this is for, for Rose McGowan. You ready? If the budget permits, please put in the backdrop of the song. We'll know what it is. I'll just <clears throat> figure it out. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Every rose has its gun. Okay. And every gun has its leg. Okay. And every zombie gets pumped full of lead. Every rose has its leg gun. Oh, pretty good. It's you know bad. what? Honestly, is that our new theme song? Might be. You just kind of figure right. out a way to put some music to that. And... Yeah, we're probably going to get copyright strikes, but yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Either copyright it was... strikes or we'll be demonetized, but we don't make any money anyway. So, like, we'll have to pay we... them. Yeah, so we'll be losing money. Okay. Uh, well, that I'll sucks. Pay. If anyone wants to help pay for our legal fees, you can reach yes. us at savetrashcinema at gmail.com. We need help. Also therapy. Also help. Yes, and probably cocaine. So, it's to this point, everyone gets on a... Cherry and Freddie get on a motorcycle and they drive off, and she's got a gun legs, and she shoots off the back of the motorcycle with a gun leg, and that's cool. Um, and then, uh, and so basically what happens is we all get together, everyone, and they decide that they need to storm this heavily occupied area of soldiers because there are two helicopters. Freddie is one of the only people who can fly. The other person is the strip club owner. He can apparently fly a helicopter, but that's to be kind of assumed that every strip club owner either has a yacht or a gangrene penis. Yep. So... Um, that happens. So they decide to all go do that. And the scientist walks up and he's like, Hey guys, I got this shit. Don't worry. We'll go this way. I know a secret way around immediately gets his fucking head blown off. Yep. Saeed gets his goddamn head literally mushroomed out. Yep. Like it Had is to go one back of the coolest island. things in the world. Have you guys ever seen someone act like a, a video of anyone actually like shoot themselves in the head? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen uh JFK's head again. Off, so. it's kind of crazy honestly the human body works like that yeah yeah um this episode gone off rails guys multiple yeah. times i don't know what we're doing we should probably stop recording mon- sunday mornings <laughs> i don't know what the fuck's happening bless us <laughs> bless us all so either way scientist gets blown up and then our uh we the base blows up there's a reason why but he gives a flying fuck the base starts to explode around them. It's at this point that Cherry, while running towards all these army men with her gun leg, blows up underneath her, which launches her 100 feet in the air in which she is shooting her AK-47 leg gun. It is... Well, so it's it's the kind of gun, like, from, from games like Call of Duty, which, you know, in real world war, uh, where the bottom barrel is a, is a grenade launcher. Mm-hmm. So she grenade... She grenade launches herself off oh, the that, ground, okay. yeah, and fucking flies in the air like Superman. And hey, yeah, as she's coming down, fucking, it's awesome. Yeah, really cool. it, it yeah, is does, one of the coolest scenes. She does the halo thing, like the the double jump that you can't get, so you launch yourself down or up from it. You know, one of my first times ever breaking a game was doing that trick, so I could skip an entire portion of a level just to see if I could. Guess what? It fucking worked. I'm like worked. part speedrunner now good for me so um it's this point that uh cherry's about to get shot so freddie jumps in saves her however in the process of saving cherry he gets shot more times than 50 cent 
Then Marley goes to help, but guess what? She gets attacked by a f- almost fully mutated Josh Brolin, and then her daddy shows up. Best line of the film. Well, second best line of the film. Which is what was he makes a comment about being more? Was it more useless than tits on a boar? Uh, no. Say? So so he comes in and kills Josh Brolin in the helicopter, mm-hmm. and he goes about as useless as a pecker on a pope. There you go. Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> Uh, that's good. Second best line of the film. Which, which is the first one again? We're about to get to it. About Perfect. to get to it. All right. So Josh Brolin's now dead, and Marley is saved. And the Sherp Club owner helicopter, they he he's he gets the helicopter up and running. And then we get like a brain brain dead or not brain dead, a dead alive scene. Which if you've seen Dead Alive, you do understand that this is when he takes the uh, lawnmower, he picks it up. And he uses it to, to lawnmower through like 150 zombies. Well, we get that almost exact scene, except uh, magnified by about 100,000. Because instead of a lawnmower blade, they use a helicopter blade. So that was he cool. tips it down. He tips the front of the helicopter down and then just mows down just countless numbers of mutated uh, zombies. And uh, that's pretty fucking dope. Um, Freddy dies. But before Freddy dies, he tells Cherry that he never misses and taps her stomach, explaining to her that she has to carry on. Put your backs to the coast, baby. Taps her stomach, and then he passes away. Well, because she's upset. She's like, well, we got to save you. we got to do whatever we can. And he's like, don't worry about me. Just, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And he suggests like, oh, I got you pregnant when we yes. had sex earlier in the film because, he, quote, I never miss. He never misses. Mm-hmm. He never misses. That's the, I, that, I laughed so hard at that line, and I, that's why I'm giving it the best line of the film. Cherry, Cherry then gets sucked up by the helicopter. They drop a rope to her, and they pick her ass up. She goes dangling off into the, the night sky. Boy, she must be strong. Just Yeah, dude. Lifts just her arm. one arm. Real strong. Just pulled up, and I mean, they're fucking high up in the air. I don't know how she gets into that helicopter, but you know what? doesn't fucking matter because the survivors, the survivors escape. And they escape to the coast. And we see Cherry riding on top of a horse. And uh, it, pres- it looks like they're in Mexico. Because we get to see some structures. Basically, yeah. we get the idea that this is now post-apocalypse. Uh, the world has ended. And Cherry is leading a band of survivors. Helping those that have not been mutated yet. With their backs to the coast. And uh, Cherry now has a Gatling gun for a leg, which I kind of hope there was a sequel to this film where we got to see Cherry using a Gatling gun leg because that'd be fucking amazing. Also, she has a baby because El Rey never misses. He never misses. Never misses. And we roll Um, credits. And we roll credits. Did either of you watch the post-credits scene? It is the post-credits scene. I felt like there was a post-credits scene and I was like, you know what? I got to get some coffee. I need answers about this post-credit scene. The post-credit scene is the boy, the boy that blew his own brains out on a beach with his little scorpion. And it's like six seconds long. And he's just like on the beach, like playing with a scorpion. So it's like, is, did he not kill himself? Like did, was he reborn somehow? And that's it. We don't get a single thing and I need answers, but I'm never going to get them. You're never going to get them, dude. It'd be very bad news. You're never going to get it fucking answers. But then, but then I'm like, okay, so if this kid is now alive, is there this new thing that like brought him back to life? Was he cloned? Was Josh Brolin in on this? Like there's, there are a lot of interesting possibilities here. The Scorpion King. Hey, maybe he is the Scorpion King. 
Are we going to get a fast forward film that features Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Did you know that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has a no kill clause in his contract where he cannot be killed on screen? I mean, don't put him in Planet Terror. I think I think we maybe as a podcast we can be the first ones to stand that The Rock is just he's a little overrated now. He's mm-hmm. uh he's he's above his britches. He's um he's he's just kind of annoying, you know? It it really pains me to agree with you. <laughs> it so really true. pains me to agree with you, but it's true. Yeah, it sucks. But he, yeah, that's... he got he's given he's given himself and he's gotten too much power and it's starting to be a lot, boys. It's starting to be a lot. It does indeed. But enough about the rock. Why don't we move on to our final segment of the show before we round out our portion? Save it or can it? So this point in the show where we give our final evaluation is if we think the film should be saved or the film should be left in the dumpster to rot and die forever and no one should ever watch it. So, boys, we're going to start off with you, Boston Mike. Get your head in the game, dog. Get your head out of the gutter. Save it or can it? Oh, this is an ultimate save. Um, This is what I think us as teenagers live for for like getting a mo- this type of movie in our hands a little too early in our prepubescent life at age 13 or something like that this movie rules um it's an automatic save it just has such intricate weird storylines of where this little universe goes and all the actors that are in it and why are they in it and how did Patrick, I mean, uh, Bruce Willis even get called into this? And We get mistaken what? for each other often. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. It happens a lot. So, yeah, I love this movie. This movie's great. Patrick. Now, Patrick, before I pass the reins over to you, I do want to point yeah. out one thing. We're watching the film last night. I look over at Sydney. Josh Brolin's on screen for the first time. And I say, Sydney, do you know who this man is? And she looks at me and she goes, Patrick? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> And I laughed so fucking hard. What? She thought I looked like Josh Brolin? In this film in particular, apparently you look like Josh Brolin. So I I looked at her and I said, I said, Sydney, I said, that's not Patrick. You know that. That's Thanos, which is how my Mm. wife pronounces Thanos is Thanos. Give me a uh, kick in the Thanos. Give me a girl kick in the Thanos. So uh, sweet meats, buddy. Tell me. Save your cannon. So this is... Um, a few years ago, came in. Mm-hmm. I'm at the High Museum in Atlanta. Sure, I'm walking around. We're gonna go see some art. We're gonna go see some installations. And who do I see? But an older Josh Brolin with his okay. wife and child. Now, is it the same woman he humped in the back of the head? I don't know. Fair. I'd like to believe, for the sake of this cinematic universe, it is. But he's just having a day at the High Museum, walking around. And so, what do I do? I follow him around and stay five feet from him the whole time it probably made him very uncomfortable probably but we had a conversation that day did you and i i said josh years from now i'm going to be in a podcast we're going to cover your movie planet terror and i want you to tell me do you think we should save this movie or can this movie and he said unequivocally this is a safe he said it's a great film it has a lot going for it it you know it might not be for everybody but if you if you like a good a good romp, this is for you. And I said, you know what, Josh, I think I'm going to agree with you in a few years, and I sure do. I sure do. This is a fun romp, and I, I th- it's an unequivocal save for me in my official ranking of the movies we've watched. 
Last week, Eight-Legged Freaks made it at like number 29. This is going in at like number six. Fuck yeah. There we love go. It. That's what I love to hear. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm following both of you guys. I'm absolutely saving this movie. I mean, I, I was very open in the beginning. I love this movie. Um, I think this movie's fucking fantastic. It is incredibly gross. I, th- I think the thing is, is like, I would say that this is less horror than it is like an action film. Um, it is, there is honestly probably the only probably scary part of this whole thing is the venereal diseases that we see on screen. Yeah. And we see like a crusty decayed dick yeah. and, and dick and balls that are yeah. actually the balls didn't look like they were as affected as the dick itself. So that's good for whoever had that disease. Also, sure. I want to know how much they paid to get that person to let them put their dick and balls on screen because that guy is owed restitutions. Um, but yeah. no, man, I think this is like, but I also think this is a great film to like, if you've never really watched a trash cinema film, it's just like a great way to initiate yourself into like what you could potentially be expecting going forward. Um, this is a perfect homage, including like the missing reels, the burn, like you get this, the screen scrape like on the film itself. So it's very grimy looking like it really nails the aesthetic while also nailing everything else. And the kills themselves, like anytime anyone's shot, like this isn't like shot and there's like a little blood spray. Like if you're shot with it a bullet so in this film, insane. it is just like a gallon of blood is immediately just burst out everywhere. It's so over the top. It's it's honestly comical more than anything else, um, which comical. I think just gives it more charm. Like I love this movie because of that. Like, it is a charming movie. That's a yeah. good word for it. It is. It has like it has charm. It's sleazy. It's cheesy. It's campy. It's perfect. It is it this is the movie that I think is like this is the the like the the bar set for like modern trash cinema, right? Like modern grindhouse, modern trash cinema. The Planet Terror is the one that like kind of set that for you. And there's gonna be a lot of movies we cover in this format, which will do the same, like things like Hobo with a Shotgun, which I think are fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, no, I think we can resoundingly all three agree that this movie definitely should be saved, and I'm very excited about that. I'm also excited that you enjoyed the show because I know you did. Mm. So please, if you could, it helps us tremendously. If you could rate it, review it, and then just share it with your friends, loved ones, worst of enemies. I mean, we, we need that support and we love you guys and we just hope you do it. Also, fuck Keith. Don't oh. share it with Keith. That guy's a fucking loser. He's an asshole. Everybody just fuck that guy. Everybody just fuck that guy. Fuck and if you're interested in video games, why don't you check out our sister podcast, the Spotlight Games Podcast, and all of your favorite streaming services. We stream live every Tuesday on Twitch at 8 p.m. Eastern. So join us there. Be part of the conversation. Also, if you're interested in TV shows, guess what? We got a new fucking podcast just for you called Spotlight TV. Episodes go live every Wednesday on all of your favorite streaming platforms. We're currently covering The Last of Us on HBO, so you don't want to miss out on that. Because our conversations are great, that show is great, and that that everything's great. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Cayman. Patrick, where can they follow you, bud? They can follow me at Patrick Schwag on Twitter. And if they want to follow about video games, they can do Spot Games Pod on Twitter as well. Beautiful. Mikey Mike and the Funky Bunch. Boston Mike, drop the line. Dunkin' Donuts, socials, just do whatever the fuck you want, bro. Mm. 
Yeah, you can follow, follow me at Duncan, and you can actually come and uh, and hang out with us and see us this this weekend when you're listening to this this weekend for Days of the Dead in Atlanta. Yeah. You'll see Cayman and I there. Maybe Patrick. You'll definitely see Mrs. Dumpster Girl herself. Uh, we'll be wearing our Save Trash Cinema shirts. Try and maybe buy a future forwarded merch ticket from us. Um, we'll make up the price on the spot. So mm-hmm. give us, yeah, give us that's the best price. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I completely forgot. But yes, we will be at Days of the Dead this year uh, down in Atlanta for the 2023 showing. We'll be wearing our shit. So if you see us, come stop by, say hello, because we, we'd love to, to see you. We'd love to talk to you. And uh, also, if you want to go check out Patrick, where can they check out Spotlight TV on socials? Uh, Spotlight TV, good good point. Thank you, Cayman. That is at Spotlight TV Pod on Instagram and Twitter, I think, are the only places we are for that one so far. Beautiful. All right. Well, come check us out there as well. And remember, fight big box office, save trash cinema. I also want your balls. I'm really quite attached to it. Oh, sweetheart. I was really attached to my specimens. Now they're out there in the night doing God knows what. Can't do it, Abby. Please. Please, Abby. <laughs>